0: I used to think that this was my town What a stupid thing to think I hear you're biting off a brain now I myself am on the brink I used to want to be a real man I don't know what that even means Now I just want you in my arms again And we can search each other's dreams What's up, 3 bees? What's up, Diamond Dogs? What's up, Athletic Gerbils? It's Rhea Butcher, the host of this here podcast, Three Swings, which is a podcast about baseball and also life and other things. Um, I hope everybody's doing good. I hope everybody's uh, hanging on to this new schedule that we've got. Thanks for sticking in in the bi-weekly sort of schedule that we're going to do for a couple weeks here. Get by curious with the episodes, you know? Um, Sacramento was wonderful. Also, uh, at one of my shows at UCB, somebody in a three swings shirt brought me vitamin C gummies and put them on the, on the, uh, stage. Uh, she's not on Instagram or on Twitter, which I'm beginning to think is the right way to go. Um, and I'll get into that in a little bit, but, uh, I didn't get her name. She took a picture of me. Um, but I remember you and I'm talking about you and I know you're probably listening. So I just wanted to say thanks for the support. It meant a lot to me. It was really great to, uh, hang with you. And I also just want to let you know, me and my friends, uh, dipped those vitamin C gummies in some cheese, like melted cheese for a pretzel next door after. So that's, that's what we were working with that night. So that's the night that you gave us. And for that, I appreciate you. Um, so yeah, Sacramento was wonderful thanks to the three swingers that came out there. And then also just wanted to let everybody know that next weekend, which is December 6th and 7th, I will be at the DC Draft House in World Championship City, Washington, DC. I will be wearing a Washington Nationals hat there because I've just given up caring what other people think of me <laughs> at least about my hats. Um I got a hat. I'm going to wear it there. It's great. I am excited about it. I'm excited to go to DC. I'm excited to be in some winter. I'm excited to see you. So come out. There's two shows each night, seven and nine, Friday and Saturday, 20 bucks, 18 and over. Cool venue. Come hear me work out some material. Come see me be a goof. Come see me uh, freeze my butt off. Uh, come see me, say hi, bring me some vitamin C gummies. Don't do that. Actually, I don't need any more. I've got a lot of vitamin C in my system and I don't need it anymore. Um, so yeah, this episode, we've got two subjects and those are going to come up after the ad break, which I would appreciate it if you listen to and maybe consider buying the thing with the code because, um, any amount of money that you spend using the code for this podcast helps us to keep going. And I would love to keep doing this podcast. Um, it's, you know, I, I, I do love doing it. It is one of those things that I don't know if anyone else suffers from this. I do things that I love in my life. And even those things that I love, I'm like, eh, why? And like, I'm really working on not feeling that way. And sometimes it's going to come up, but not believing it. And like, I am doing this for fun (laughs) because I like to talk to people So just do it. You know what I mean? Like, why am I, why, why am I acting as though this is the worst thing in the world for like 10 seconds? I'm like, this is the worst thing in the world. Um, and it's not, it is, uh, one of the best things in the world, my world, at least. I don't think, I don't think I'm the best thing in the world. I think for within my world, this is one of the best things. I really love doing it. Um, I got to play baseball finally in my winter league. Uh, got to see some folks and use the pitching machine. And like, I don't think I've mentioned on here, but I started going to physical therapy, which is a huge step for me because I have insurance and I'm using it. Um, I have always been afraid of using insurance as though using it will make it go away. Um, I'm sure that's relatable for some people out there that like, if I use it, it's going to cost me more, but that's just not how insurance works. I mean, I, I definitely believe insurance itself as an entity is a bit of a scam, but what isn't these days? And, uh, that's not how health insurance works. At least not going to see something that is like a copay, you know, like I'm not, nah, I'm not getting like, I don't know. I don't even know. I'm not going to go down that road. Cause I, I don't even know if that's right. Um, I'm going to physical therapy because I've had a uh, pain in my shoulder and which has now gone into my neck And I've had it for, I would say, about eight years, which is a long time to be dealing with it. Um, And I could get into the hows and whys of it all, or I could just be like, I couldn't deal with it anymore. So uh, luckily, a friend of mine came over who uh, worked on the second season of Take My Wife, and she has the same insurance as me, and she was like, yeah, just out of the blue, I didn't ask her. She just said she went to physical therapy for her uh, plantar fasciitis, which I also am starting to think I have, whatever, uh, and she was like, dude, you, we have the same insurance. You should just go. It's this much money. And it turns out I have two types of insurance and it's no money. And basically what they've to- shown me how to do is like, use my shoulder the right way, which look, I couldn't have figured out on my own. Cause I didn't know I wasn't, you know what I mean? Like, I didn't know that I wasn't using my shoulder properly. I wasn't on my right side of my body. I was not using my shoulder blade. I was using like my delts and my traps to lift my arm. And over time that caused a lot of problems and a lot of pain in my shoulder. And I thought it was all like emotional and all this stuff. And like, I think it was, but I also think I was just using my shoulder wrong, whether it was because I was, you know, not using my emotions right or not is kind of irrelevant. I'm now just standing in front of my door and lifting my arm up and down twice a day, 20 times a day, using a lacrosse ball to like ease up the tensions or, or the tendons in my shoulder. And then uh, do what uh, the physical therapist likes to call a pizza carry, which is literally just turning my arm outward <laughs> from the side of my body and like engaging my shoulder blade again. And it's pretty mind blowing how much better it is already. Um, And it's just a matter of doing it every day, one day at a time. And I will say that I went into baseball. I I did my exercises. I did my like tendon release and I did two rounds of batting practice off of the pitching machine. And I'll tell you, I probably shouldn't have done that (laughs) because then the next day I could barely get out of bed. And that is like, that is some pain that I was in before I went to physical therapy. So I know I had a threshold for it in a way, but I was like, Oh, I don't have to do this. So the next time I go to baseball, I probably can't hit. Um, which is like, I'm just telling all of you so I can be accountable to you that the next time I go to baseball, I have to stick to throwing because my shoulder just isn't there to be trying to. And I mean, I hit some, I hit some line drives. I was like pretty stoked about what I was doing in the box and it felt very good. And like, You need that. And I needed that for like my heart and my brain to go like, oh yeah, you can do this. You know how to do this. You know how to do this. Like you haven't done it in a while, but it's okay. Uh, and I felt good about it because like people go like, woo, And like, I don't know, you just cheer for each other. Then my friend Joe got up there and he was like ripping dingers. And I, I texted him later and he was like, I don't know what came over me. And it was really wonderful. And like, great to just be out with people and had a great conversation with a friend who's on another team. And like, we like just walked around the field together and like, man, I'm just so grateful for this game, you know? And I'm so grateful for today. And I'm so grateful for all of you who listen to this show. And I'm grateful for everybody that's been on the ride for what this thing has been becoming, what it continues to become, what it continues to be just like a place to, I don't know, just be for half an hour to sometimes an hour and a half. And, uh, just talk about how we feel about this thing. And I mean, ultimately it's just me talking about how we feel, but a lot of people have told me like, and it's not that you agree with me. It's just like hearing somebody else try to understand how they feel about something sometimes can help somebody else try to understand how they feel about something. And that has been the only point of honestly me doing anything at this point uh, that isn't, my old day job, you know, like I, once I started doing comedy, I I really just wanted to help people understand. And that, that changed over time, what I wanted people to understand, um, or help them understand. And I maybe wanted people to understand, and then it changed to help understand. And now I want to understand, you know, which is good (laughs) because I don't know that I was open to understanding before. And, through a series of events that you could track through mm, almost all of space and time, which when you really get down to brass tacks, that's everything. Um, If you really want to sit with your feelings and your thoughts and what's going on for you, um, good and bad, and do it in a sort of neutral way, you can really go through and see the golden threads of how this connected to this connected to this connected to this. And if I hadn't done this, I don't know if this would have happened. And for me recently, before in my life I would do that and I could see where I did everything wrong. Where if I would have just done this, it wouldn't have happened like that. But lately I've been able to realize all those things. Every single one of them. Everything that I thought was a mistake. Every bad decision I made and I spent years thinking over and over and over again how I'd made these bad mistakes, have led me to be recording this podcast right now. And I can't be anything but grateful for that. Today I have water that I can drink. I have a car. You know, I'm lucky to have a car. I have shoes on my feet. I'm very grateful for those things. And if it wasn't for the people in my life... And the things I do every day, I wouldn't be able to feel that way. The things I do, good and bad, and there is like no good and bad, right and wrong, whatever. When you're talking about existing as a human being. And I can't even begin to tell you the things that have happened in recent days that have opened up a whole new level of understanding and empathy that I hope I can pass along because I've only just begun to get it. But the only thing I can do to keep it and understand it more is try to express it and give it on to somebody else. So that's what I hope I can do here in this podcast. And for that reason, there are two subjects that we're going to talk about. On today's podcast, and I, I do, I want to mention up top that that one of them is not the minor league, um, sort of like, uh, shutdown or pink slipping or, God, what was that called? Why I'm blanking on the turn. It was such an a, an, a turn of the century, such a new millennium, um, downsizing. The downsizing. That's the word. The downsizing of the minor league because minor leagues because I, I, for, for two reasons, one, I want to, I want to actually get into the research of it and I want to spend some time with it and I want to really do it justice because I think it's that important because I think it holds a lot of import for us, not just in baseball, but in this country right now and where we are and where we're going, because I think it is a reflection in, and, and baseball is nothing if not a reflection of America Um, it's a reflection of what's going on and what might happen and how we can do things differently and what it means for us as people and what we can do. Um, Because I really at first blush just see that and go, Oh, this is the same thing. I mean, we've been talking about it. So I want to make sure that I give it the it's due um, and talk about it in a way that I, that, that I feel good about. Um, And then the other reason is I, I want to talk about these two things that we're going to talk about on this podcast, because right now in this day, today, who I am in this moment with these molecules in this heart and all of these things. These are the two things that need to be talked about. So I for anybody that's like, when are you going to talk about the minor release? Because I know there's at least one person. So this is for at least you, my friend. I will talk about it. It will be the next episode. It's just not gonna be this episode and I do promise you that I will say for now I'm it worries me and it saddens me um and I go okay well what are we gonna do um and I'm not happy about it but I wanna I want to give it its space and it's due and everything. So we will be back right after this and we will talk about two subjects that I'm gonna make you, have to get through the ad to hear what they are. So please, if you can, give the ad a listen. If you can buy the thing with the thing, I would greatly appreciate it. Not because people aren't. I don't know if they are or not. I just know that if you do, it helps. So if you can, do. If you can't, no problem. I'd rather have your ears than your money. So we'll be right back after this with our two subjects. All right, we're back. Thanks for listening to that ad, and hopefully, buying some sheets. I will say that the things that I say in the ads, I believe, so you can trust me. Um, they, they it's, it's. I don't say things that I don't mean. Um, uh, so we've got two. Uh, sometimes I say them in a way that I don't like. So that that is the thing. I do say things that I think, but uh, there are many times that I have said things, and I wish I would have said them a different way, or. Kept them to myself. That's a lesson that I've learned recently. So, one of two subjects is, of course, the Astros' sign-stealing updates. In the two weeks since The Athletic published their bombshell report, uh, authored in part by Ken Rosenthal, highly respected baseball journalist, MLB-approved on-field journalist Ken Rosenthal. Uh, reporting the alleged, uh, report alleging a widespread and comprehensive sign-stealing campaign by the Houston Astros at Minute Maid Park during the 2017 season and on, uh, including the use of center field cameras and various signaling techniques. The MLB has launched a league-wide investigation into the allegations as further revelations have surfaced. So, let's get into some of those revelations. I will say, I... We did the last podcast. I talked about it a lot. I stand by those feelings. I've talked to other baseball friends in my league. I've talked to other baseball fans. And I think the prevailing feeling, because I, I think I know one person that would really consider themselves to be like an Astros fan because they grew up, I think, around Houston. But they're also like a Dodger fan because they're out from out here. And I haven't really gotten to talk to him. I know it seems like he's maybe upset about I'm not sure. Um but I just don't know that many Astros fans personally. Um, not by any, not on purpose. I just don't because I, I don't live in Houston and I don't know that many people from Houston. Um, so, and again, some people were like, you know, calling me out on social media and like, they're not wrong. <laughs> I, they're not wrong. I went, I was going hard at Houston. I was trying to make jokes, but I was also saying some harsh stuff. And like, I maybe didn't need to go that harsh like the evidence is already there I maybe didn't need to rub it in um and so yeah I kind of if you're a Houston Astros fan that listens to this podcast like I am sorry that this is going on because I can't I can't actually imagine for the people who aren't you know like taking it out on the internet which I was so i I put myself in that category I can't imagine what it feels like to have that taken away from you too it must feel similar to, the way that i feel towards my fandom of the 2017 dodgers because i will say my i i was hugely a fan of the dodgers in 2017 and in the years after that a little less so each time and then now like going to that game i'm like okay maybe that chapter is like kind of over um for, for now you know like i still have a soft place in my heart and um but that year in particular and going back and looking at it and what that team meant to me and going to games. And I I kind of used that team to get through something when I was kind of dealing with it. And like, it meant a lot, you know, and it's not a, some other, it's not anyone's responsibility, but mine to understand that and comprehend it. However, I would say that those emotions and feelings mixed in with then going wait. Because for me, the World Series was not taken from the Dodgers. They they didn't, you know, I mean, there were other games that they weren't at home, but, or where they were at home that they lost. But what was taken from the Dodgers was an equal playing field and an opportunity to win a World Series on paper, fair and square, without this system of sign stealing, which is not It's just not baseball to me. And I would also say what I can see now sitting in the seat in front of this microphone today right now is that that opportunity was also taken from Astros fans, which is to me, brutal. It's, it's heartbreaking. It's the say it ain't so Joe line of like, why did you do this to us? You like, Why? You know, like, why, why did they do that to their... Is it that important? That's not what winning a World Series is about. And I mean, I don't know, maybe I'm naive, but that's what I loved about this game, is that it's seven games most of the time. It's it's a lot. It's, it's winning the division. It's eking in on a wild card. It's beating... The your division, uh uh, 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 opposite division rival. It's it's winning a best of five. It's winning a best of seven. It's winning a best of seven. It's not knowing what pitch is coming in every at bat, and lying, and lying. It's cheating and it's lying and it's. I don't know man kids are watching that's that's what I've always said about all these things that come out about the sport that we collectively love kids are watching and also someone much smarter than me said you spent your whole you spent your whole life for this you put your whole life towards this and then you cheated that's how little you think of yourself it's it's a bummer you know and it's but it's a big lesson for me it's like don't do that how are the ways that I'm cheating myself out of life, out of good things? How, how are the ways that I think I'm not good enough for what's in store for me? A lot of ways. There's a lot of ways. I don't need to get into the details with you guys. I can just say that that's true. It's true. It's just a true thing. There are ways that I do that, that I cut myself off from possibility. Because that's what I'm talking about. It's not... A guarantee. But that's what you should... That's how you should believe in yourself. Is that... You do, You shouldn't need a guarantee. You shouldn't need... To know what pitches are coming in. That's not baseball. Somebody gets an edge. Somebody has a tell. Okay. We've all established that. We've all established that. This is not a tell. You were stealing signs with a camera with a television sitting and telling people what pitches they were getting that's batting practice it's it's also evident to me of a of a larger issue and for me it's it's the wall streeting of baseball that we've talked about on this podcast a lot which relates to the minor league stuff that we'll get into in the next episode but like that sort of at all cost you know and like nothing nothing matters except for the win and the money the money and the win the win and the money the money and the win and i i mean i'm not naive and i i have i don't think that these you know a baseball team is not a charity but the game is you know the game is supposed to be not pro- for profit the game itself the game that is not a tangible entity, you know? I guess that's what it is. When you start cheating like this, it makes it a tangible entity, and it is no longer the ethereal, transcendent being that we're all in relationship with when we watch and participate in baseball. And it removes... The humanity and it removes the spirit of the game to go. I know everything. Okay, what's the point then? What's the point? I don't care. I don't I don't care anymore because you know. So why am I here? You're not gonna learn anything, and I'm not gonna learn anything. I mean, the Astros are learning a harsh lesson lesson right now, maybe. I mean I don't know how they're going to be punished. This experience I think has been some punishment. It's at least been a lesson in in you know I'm not sure. Something. But like man it really takes it really takes the fun out of it. Major League Baseball officials have asked players associated with the Houston Astros what they know about a range of alleged sign-stealing techniques, sources familiar with the conversations told ESPN last Friday. Players have been asked about buzzing via the use of band-aid like wearable stickers, furtive earpieces, pitch-picking algorithms, and other potential methods of sign-stealing, uh, sign-stealing, the sources said. Accusations about the extent of the alleged wrongdoing have st- have streamed into Commissioner Rob Manfred's office from officials of other teams, the sources said. MLB officials are endeavoring to separate fact from fiction, the sources told ESPN, and the league has not concluded whether any such methods actually have been used. They have a lot of work to do in sorting all this out. Players who might have violated league rules have been told by MLB officials they can expect leniency in exchange for answering questions truthfully which is important but members of the Astros front office and coaching staff could face significant punishment upon the investigation's conclusion if they're found to have cheated the sources said the league has requested to search the phones of certain members of the Astros front office the sources said i think it is important that we that that, that leniency in exchange for answering questions truthfully for players is important And I think that it keeps the integrity of the game and it loosens up this us versus them mentality that seems to be happening in the game and specifically around the Astros clubhouse. Um, It's something that I've heard mentioned by many people in like baseball world or whatever that like, and I think it also speaks to, so the, the Cardinals got in trouble last year or two years ago because one of their scouts who is ironically named his last name is also Correa. um, One of their scouts stole some electronic data from the Houston Astros. Now, why is this interesting more than he's got the same name as the Houston Astros shortstop and he stole from the Houston Astros? Well, he was a former scout of the Houston Astros and that speaks to what the Astros were doing. If he thinks that's okay, then they thought that was okay. It also speaks to maybe the cardinals. I'm not sure. That was my dog <laughs> making a cameo. Um so if that's what you're breeding, you know, what and, and this is me literally saying that not like, oh, these pieces of garbage. I'm just saying it that's what that's the path you've chosen to go down. And you can see the thread like I was talking about. You can see the thread. Okay. This team the the supposed team of like golden, you know, like look at this pitching staff, look at these amazing, like Jose Altuve, pure hitter, Carlos Correa, uh uh proposing to his girlfriend on the field, George Springer, overcoming uh stuttering and and being this like postseason hero, like all these stories, right? Stories that we believed that make us feel something, that make us feel good about the sport we love. Then the next summer that organization hires someone on the longest suspension for domestic violence and you go huh well that's not what i thought they were cuz they also came out and said about that minor league guy this is zero tolerance but now with this guy they're okay with it cuz it didn't happen on their watch necessarily huh well that seems that seems like kind of fishy and gray okay then you have them all kind of circling the wagons about it. And then you have Brandon Taubman um, antagonizing people over it in the clubhouse, literally in the clubhouse. And you go, huh, that's weird. And then it comes out that they're cheating. And then it comes out that they're doing this. And then it comes out that it was an executive that asked scouts to figure out ways of cheating. And then this, and then this. You start pulling at the thread and you start to see huh, this seems to be kind of an all-the-way-through. So this is why I think it's important for the players to break off from the corporation of their team. It's important, and this is, I think, where the union could maybe step in. I don't know. I'm not a union. I don't work for them. But I think that the players need to be protected. You might think, oh, well, these players agreed to do it, and yeah, I think that's a problem, and I think that they will... I think that they will, whatever, whatever, whatever happens, if we know that they did cheat, then they will have to live with that for the rest of their lives. And I think that honestly is punishment enough for Jose Altuve and all of those guys for their ability to be questioned is a, that's a huge thing to, to learn from and to grow from. And I think that that is way bigger than any punishment you could hand down. So, Hopefully, if they're able to separate them from the corporation that is the Astros and get some information on what the Astros were actually doing, then some focus could come in. According to Joel Sherman of the New York Post, Astros players may have worn a buzzer device on their body to help relay signs. In recent days, I have had scouts and executives talk to me about a variety of methods they think have been or could be employed, such as a realistic-looking electronic bandage placed on a player's body that buzzes in real time to signal what is coming, one buzz for fastball, for example, Uh, if the surveillance determines what type of pitching is coming. One person I spoke to has ties to the Astros and said he already had spoken to MLB's investigators. Now, I saw, like, video and footage of that, and it looked like there was something that was weird uh, during a Robinson Chirino's at-bat, which you can see on John Boy. Uh, I've been listening to his podcast a lot. So if you listen to his podcast, make sure you keep listening to mine, <laughs> but listen to his podcast. Cause I, I also like it. Um. Yeah. I'm, I'm super curious to find out what happens with this. And I think that, um, yeah, I don't know whether they put an asterisk in a book in the book or not. There's a lot of people that'll remember this and I've come to a place now where I'm like, oh, everyone will remember this. even if we don't, we will. So I will. That's one person, you know. Um, I just don't want this to be the game. I don't want the game to be using all these methods to I mean it's already it's already been invaded by data at a level that it feels uncomfortable. And for it to be cheating and like tipping the scales and essentially giving you the game, like it's just not, that's not baseball to me. I I will watch my team lose the world series every year without stealing signs like this, banging a trash can every year, every year. I'll watch them lose every year, every year, every year. I'll watch my team not do this and lose every year. Just not because I think I'm better than anybody else, but because It doesn't it's hollow. It's hollow. And for that, I have a lot of empathy for Astros fans if you feel that way, because that's got to that's got to suck. It's got to hurt. It's got to not feel good. You know, it's got to not feel good. Um, And in closing, in an interview on AM 570 in Los Angeles, the Dodgers' Jock Peterson argued that the MLB has known about sign stealing for years now. They know what's going on, Peterson said, and I think that's why this year you saw an eight-second minimum delay on all feeds because of that. They knew what was going on, so they did something to try to protect it. With a delay, it wouldn't have been possible to do what the Astros did or were accused of doing. Now, we know that what they did do is they added that eight-second delay, and somehow the Astros got a workaround around it. So does this mean that the MLB knew that they were doing that? I mean... It's pretty... The, the evidence that we've seen of the, the camera and the uh, TV in the uh, in the dugout, it, it seems so obvious. And, like, I also... Like, I, I don't want to compare... It's so obvious that people are ignoring it. Like, is that what happened? Because there's other things going on in our country right now, and I really don't want to put the two on the same plane. It's more just the idea of this that, like... These things are so obvious. They are so obvious to me what what happened because I'm a person. And I I y- you you can listen to it for five minutes and you know you you know what's going on. And is it it just feels like an emperor's new clothes? Like it's so obvious that and it's not even emperor's new new clothes, because emperor's new clothes was like, well, we can't tell someone some someone's naked. We'll just have to believe it. This is like just believing it without even going, that person is naked. Well, I can't tell them. Is it just that it is so obvious that people look the other way or they they didn't they couldn't comprehend that somebody would be this obvious about cheating? I don't, I don't know. Because then people say, well, it's so obvious it's not cheating. Well, I don't think that that's the case because it's clearly there. And they did it a lot. And there's a lot of banging. And it's not Cleveland. Cleveland has a dude that, It's not a rhythm that makes any sense. It's a rhythm that's like a signal. It sounds like a signal. It's not like, let's go, or whatever. It's literally like, boom, 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 boom. Like, it's not, it's a signal. It's not anything other than a signal. It's very clear to me. So I'm curious to see what will happen, and more will be revealed, and we'll find out more. Um, But yeah, it's pretty gnarly. I'm curious to see what next season is like. Like, what is it going to look like when Astros go on the road? What's that going to look like? I don't know. Interesting. Interesting stuff. Woo. What's Garrett Cole got to say? That's what I want to know. What does Garrett Cole have up in that beautiful head of hair of his? What's he got bouncing around in there? I think a lot. So speaking of a lot, uh, something that somebody asked last week uh, for us to cover on the show is one Gabe Kapler and Larry Zaidi. Uh, In February of this year, the Washington Post reported that Gabe Kapler, who was at the time the manager of the Phillies, did not alert police of an alleged assault in 2015 when he was director of player development for the Dodgers. The post said Kapler received an email from a 17-year- old girl saying she had been assaulted by two women during a night of partying with two Los Angeles minor leaguers and that Los Angeles minor League players were present at her assault and that one of them had videotaped the assault. Kapler sought direction from Dodgers lawyer and human resources lawyers sorry uh, human resources personnel, and then replied quickly with a phone call, apologized and offered to help in any way she needed. Kapler also tried to arrange a dinner with the girl and the two players and engaged in discussions with the girl's grandmother, but he never alerted authorities, and the Dodgers did not report it to the MLB. The girl later told police that she was also sexually assaulted by one of the players. This is a note from bench coach Brett. I have not been able to find specifics on other cases, but... This was apparently not the only assault case that was mishandled by Kapler during his tenure at the Dodgers. Last week, the San Francisco Giants announced Gabe Kapler as their new manager at a press conference that was also attended by Giants president of baseball operations, Farhan Zaidi. Zaidi was the GM of the Dodgers in 2015 at the time of the assault. Very interesting threads tying up in San Francisco right now. Uh, Kappler's hiring has been with significant protests from Giants fans. At the announcement press conference, Kepler and Zaidi faced several questions about their handling of the 2015 assault. I just want to take a moment right now to pause and check in about what what is going on in in what we said. Uh, this is something that came out this year. there was also a Sports Illustrated, article, uh, wherein a friend of the show, Nick Francona also spoke of his time, uh, with the Dodgers. And if I, my memory serves that he attempted to get this, uh, outward to the proper authorities and that attempt was rejected. Um, and I could be incorrect, but I am going to say that. Um, it's tricky to talk about these things sometimes. Because they have an emotional response to them. And I've recently realized that responding emotionally to things isn't always the best way to do it, especially when you're in public. And this podcast is public. But I do have thoughts on this. And I think that the way that the way that this is being that this is approached in the notes of this show, it looks like somebody trying to do something. And I don't know what's in that man's heart. However, I will say it also looks like somebody trying to make it not be big. I don't know that this it was them trying to make it go away. It might. I'm not saying it wasn't. But I'm not saying that it necessarily was. Because I don't know. I wasn't there. I also think these things take time. And I think that a uh, baseball manager of player development is not the right person to be trying to have dinner with a woman who said she was assaulted and videotaped by two of his players. Well, videotaped by a player and two women who were also all hanging out together. Um, you are not the right person to, to handle that. And... You know, talking to lawyers is something I don't think that's wrong to do. But I think that you can get many opinions on what you should do if you are like, I'm not sure. I made a statement about this where I was like, I don't think that I would talk to my mom, which I'll get into, about this. I think I would be talking to the cops, probably. Um, But then, you know, in the time that I said that, and now I'm saying this, I don't know if the cops would be the right very first step. Because we know the statistics on police and sexual assault. So, I mean, what I think should happen is that with this consistency of domestic violence, sexual assault, these things that are are around and prevailing, specifically in men's professional sports... I think every team needs to have someone who is a specialist in this because these people exist and they should be getting paid to do that job. And they should be having high profile versions of that job. Uh, I don't know, therapist, social worker, something for each team. And that's who should be handling these things, assessing these things And assessing these issues, assessing these cases, and then taking the next right action alongside the team with transparency. So that the person who was assaulted, the victim here, gets the best representation that they possibly can. And ultimately, the same goes for the players, that they get the best course of action that they possibly can. Whether it's being arrested and going to trial or serving out a uh, domestic violence uh, punishment in the major leagues, whatever that is, but a a baseball coach is not the right person to be handling these things. Truly, one hundred percent. That's just not that's just not what this is about. You know, I I think that you can have an emotional connection with your players and you should. But this is not an emotional connection. This is above your pay grade to be totally honest. Um and I think that clearly these men for the most part are not and and their gender doesn't have anything to do with it. It's just they're men. And they're not equipped to handle these kinds of accusations. And there needs to be a mediator between them and the police because uh you just I- I'm not saying don't trust the but it's just it's 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 tenuous. So I think there needs to be a mediator. Maybe, maybe they're, they need to be like their own entity and they're assigned to each clubhouse and maybe they rotate. I don't know. So there's no like, you know, they, whatever. I don't know. I'm not, I don't have to make this, I don't have to do this job right now on this podcast, but that's what I think should happen. Uh, Kapler's hiring. I already said that part. So uh, Zaidi opened the proceedings by saying Kapler never tried to hide anything. The incidents that happened, Kapler reported up the chain of command. Again, it should be sideways and not up the chain of command sideways. And then up the chain of command and the baseball operations group referred him to legal counsel in LA and everything we did from that point forward was done collectively as an organization. I think collectively as an organization is a good thought, but if your intention is to hide something, to make it go away Something of that nature, doing that collectively as an organization, is not a great thing. Uh, repeatedly, Zaidi tried to soften and spread the spotlight, suggesting it was more a Dodgers problem than a Kepler one, which is a convenient and perhaps true narrative to push. But you two are the ones sitting there, so I would say that. Um, they listened to the team's legal counsel, which advised them to ask the victim and her family whether they wanted to go to police. Eventually, the victim did, without the Dodgers at her side. So, it feels to me that, I, I mean, if you go without that, then perhaps you felt that you should. I don't know. I can't read between those lines. Uh, the duo pinpointed, both pinpointed their mistake as not seeking experts' opinions. True. Uh, though neither outright said he should have called 911. I, again, don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But I do think the beginning of that sentence, not seeking expert opinion, is important. So I, I appreciate that. Uh, the notion of support goes way beyond asking whether things should be reported to the police, said Zaidi, adding, I don't think we did enough. Hey, that's owning up to it. Truly, let's take a second and see that that person did own up to that. They don't think they did enough. And that's true. I agree. So, hey, there's something. There's something. Kapler concurred. He said his first call should have been to his mother to learn his next step. Instead, it was to Dodgers officials, and the incidents were not known publicly until the Washington Post reported on them in February. I'm sorry that I didn't make all the right moves, said Kapler. Everything I did, I acted on from a place of goodness and from my heart and wanting to do the right thing, but I was naive. I was in over my skis and trying to do things on my own when it was very clear that I needed counsel. Now, I saw the quote about calling his mom... Out of context, and I commented on that, like which I already referred to earlier. Now I'm reading this. I didn't watch the video of the of the uh, conference, which I apologize. Perhaps I should have, but I'm just reading this. Going, hey, I kind of think that's right. Owning up to saying, I I, I don't know what's in his heart. I don't know. I truly don't know, and we can't know. I can take this person at their word and say that everything they did, they acted from a place of goodness and from their heart and wanting to be to do the right thing. I, I I can't. What what else can you? I don't know. I don't know. I can personally relate to saying I was in over my skis and trying to do things on my own when it was very clear that I needed counsel. I can relate to that part of it, and so I can try to take that out and say, "Hey, that's progress." And I hope that that person continues to remember that. And when things go sideways he seeks more counsel you know i hope that this doesn't repeat itself so we'll we'll have to find out you know we'll have to see if that is actually what happens and trust that this guy is telling the truth which i know doesn't heal anything and i'm sorry and i i don't i don't know that i do trust this guy but he said these things got to take him at his word We'll see how it goes from there. I don't know. And our last bit is the Rosenberg. Well, let me just add this to to the end of it, because I just want to make sure. I think that Major League Baseball has a big hill to climb and a lot of work to do in regards to domestic violence. Like another thing came out about Sam Dyson, who pitched for the Giants, who was with the Twins, it's a major problem. It's insidious and they've got a lot of work to do. And I think they need outside counsel that participates in their corporation and they need it now. They need it they need it yesterday. Cause this it shouldn't be happening at the clip that it is happening. It just should not. You know? they they've got a lot of work to do. So, moving on to the rosin bag, we've received this same question from multiple listeners on Twitter. In light of the Astros cheating scandal, should you Darvish's disastrous 2017 World Series performance be re-evaluated? I say a resounding yes. I will also point you to, I personally apologize to him via Twitter. <laughs> I mean, I said you were robbed or something. Um, I mean, it's completely changed my view of his performance because it did seem inexplicable and I blamed it on him it also it also put the Yuli Gurriel thing into a different light for me too which was just even worse because like yikes he was making fun of him and he was he was making fun of him because he was getting his signs ugh heartbreaking disgusting god I hope I don't ever act like that please please help me never act like that But I will say that you Darvish is a pillar of strength and emotional stability and like spiritual growth on a level that I have not seen. And there is an article in the L.A. Times. I tweeted it out. Go find it and uh, read it if you want to know if you want to know what a, what a human being is, go read that because he was like, I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for that. So I'm torn. (laughs) Like, holy shit. I mean, that's what I just said at the top of the show. But so I guess, yeah, I, I guess, yes, I can see that. I can see it. But I mean, he did it in the world series and that is something, I mean, you know, wow. Wow. I just hope the history books are kind to you, Darvish, and they should be, And I have no control over that, but I know that I will be kind to you Darvish from here on out and backwards to the best of my ability. Um, So yeah, I hope everybody else reevaluates his performance. And I I also give Clayton Kershaw something too. I mean, the stuff in the, this last NLDS was heartbreaking, but who knows if it would have happened if game five wouldn't have happened. You know what I mean? And like, you can't change it, but you just go, damn, this had an effect on a lot of people. It, it affected a lot of people, and you didn't think about that. It affected people's wives. It affected people's children. It affected their dogs. You know? And all you cared about was you and winning. It's not enough you and winning. Uh, winning isn't everything. <sighs> so, I leave you with all those thoughts. I appreciate all of you. Thank you for listening to this show. I hope that you like it. Stick with me through the winter. I don't know what we're going to keep talking about, but next next episode is going to be the minor league teams. So, if you feel like it, send me your favorite minor league teams. Uh with pictures, media is also always helpful so that I can get a good idea of it. If there's minor league teams that you like to go see, I used to I went to the Nashville Sounds this year. Been to Omaha, been to another one that I can't remember right now. Anyway, uh, send that to me. I, I love minor league teams and it makes me sad what's happening. And I think that, you know, it's uh, devastating to baseball as a sport, as an entity, as an idea. Um, So please let me know. We'll do that. And uh, if you like the show and you think somebody else would like it, let them know about it. Give a Rate, review, subscribe, listen to us on Spotify. I think we're on there. Listen to us on iTunes, wherever you feel convenient to listen to us. Um, give us a listen. Let everybody know. Let me know. Tell me your thoughts. And, as always, if you liked it, you liked it. Forever. Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production.